Hey, this is Todd Stacy and Mary Sell, and welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. Mary, we've now had a week to recover from the <laughs> legislative session. <laughs> uh, well, have you? Have you recovered? Uh, I've, I've recovered. I, w- I was trying to recover on Thursday, and then we got some some big news uh, yeah. with the 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 SCOTUS uh, decision. But yeah, yeah, we're still wrapping up. There was a big session. There was just a lot of of big bills. A lot of them money related. Um, yeah. I so agree. We're still and digging out. Yeah, that Thursday was weird because yeah, I had honestly planned to take a nice nap that day yeah just just full disclosure planned to like (laughs) let's just take a nice little midday nap and then supreme court decision on redistricting and then later that day trump indictment (laughs) yeah it's like no it was a doozy no if you're a newsman you gotta gotta get to it well we are really pleased to have a special guest mary won't you do the honors yes so obviously this podcast is in the weeds and we do try to get weedy and so we found one of the weedier lawmakers, and I mean that <laughs> highest praise, biggest compliment. <laughs> Senator Clyde Chambliss uh, from Prattville is joining us today, and and I say that because of your Senator, your legislation, you you don't carry a lot of easy bills a lot of time. You you are a policy guy. You are wonky, and again, highest praise. But you're wonky. <laughs> um, well, I will. Uh, I will take that as a as a compliment for sure. Uh, I, I am one that uh, believes that details matter, and uh, I, I like to get into the weeds. So it's um, appropriate that uh, that I'm here on your show. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Uh, they they say, uh, or I say, good government's boring. So uh, we're here to bore you a little bit today. <laughs> Awesome. So what, let's just talk a little bit, react from the session. Again, it was, it, it was 14 weeks, um, but a lot of just big bills throughout. I mean, out of the gate, ARPA in the special session, and then incentives, um, huge budgets. What, what, what's the takeaway? What, what, what are you, what's the message for the folks back home about what, what y'all did this session? Well, I I think it's a culmination of years and years of hard work uh, on the financial side of things. We and and those who came before me uh, have worked hard to really change the financial status of our state uh, from from one that uh, cobbles together budgets every year, not knowing how we're going to do it, robbing from Peter to pay Paul. I mean, that was the norm. And uh, through the policies that we've implemented over the last 12 years or so, we're now in a situation where we have not seen proration in, uh, I believe, 12 years now in either budget. Uh, That word is really not a a common word in the state house now. And that is huge, huge, huge for our state. Uh, I've seen uh, articles where we've been listed as, you know, number eight in in the country in financial stability. And that is just, that's really important to me. Uh, Everything that we do in state government ties back to the dollar somehow. Uh, We don't do any of that without money and without funding. Uh, As you all know, the education budget's been fairly stable over the years and growth taxes. And now we've uh, been able to uh, kind of 
get some of those growth taxes with the uh, internet sales tax and the general fund. And, and what, what does that mean for the everyday person? Uh, it means uh, stability in the general fund, which leads to less attacks on education funding. So that's very important. Uh, that is kind of one of those things you don't think about unless it's happening, but we're not having those attacks on education funding now because of the stability. But also, more importantly, it means uh, a better perspective from those looking outside of our state, uh, from outside of our state looking in, uh, maybe trying to do business here, maybe uh, wanting to build a business here. When our state finances are, are stable, they're going to look at us a lot harder than, uh, oh, we have $150, $250 million hole in the general fund. What are they going to do? Mm. And those businesses would look to, to go elsewhere because they don't want to be a part of that uncertainty. Senator, I mean, speaking of the budgets, that last day, um, or I guess the, it wasn't the last day. It was the last day y'all passed the budgets, that late night. Did it, I mean, I guess y'all went into It felt like the, the last day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely had sunny die vibes for sure. But um you know, you go to conference committee and you express some dissatisfaction with the end result that maybe there wasn't enough savings. Can you talk about what led to your dissatisfaction? I guess it was on the general fund side. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, on the general fund side, when I was uh, elected in 2014, came in in 2015, uh, we had a $250 million hole in the general fund. That was roughly 14%. Um, well, we, we're going into some uncertain times. We know inflation's out of control or, you know, has been out of control. Uh, it looks like it's maybe, you know, stabilizing, but still significant. Uh, increased interest rates, just uncertainty with, with uh, what's going to happen. So we, we've got a plan for that. And, and I don't want to be one of these that said we're not doing anything because we have done a lot. Uh, what have we done? Uh, we've, we've repaid fully the Alabama Trust Fund from all of the money that was borrowed in, what, 2009, 10, somewhere in there. Uh, all of that has now been fully repaid. So that's a big deal, a big deal. We also now have a, um, a general fund savings account. Uh, in the past, when we had proration, the only option we had was to cobble things together, uh, and, and go to the trust fund, which in common everyday people's language, that those are CDs. Those, those are things that are not easily liquid. Uh, you, you, you want them there for the long term, for the long term uh, uh, stability. And, and that was our only option. So now we have a, a general fund reserve uh, is basically a savings account, uh, uh, equating it to the common everyday language. Uh, so we can go to that savings account and not have to go to that trust fund. So we have uh, had $100 million in that uh, account. Uh, we added $50 million to it this, uh, this session. Uh, that, so that's $150 million. Well, that's great. And that's a lot of money, a lot of money. But if you equate that same recession that we had or that same hole that we had in the budget my first year, as a percentage of the budget to this year, we're looking at right at half a billion dollars. So $150 million certainly will help, but if we have a recession and a shortfall like that, uh, then we will be um, 
not quite as prepared as we would like to be. Now, hopefully it won't be there, but anyway, that that's some of my dissatisfaction when we have a $3 billion budget, the largest ever, and then we have the uh, supplemental, um, and the number escapes me what that was. Uh, I've I got think one, one point. 1.1, yeah. 1.3. 1. 1. Okay. 1. Well, the, su- the general fund supplemental, that was 180 1. million. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm sorry. So, um, you know, when we have those funds, we need to, number one, repay debt. Well, check. We did that. All the debts repaid. We're in good shape. Uh, number two, you want to save for a rainy day. And uh, We've done some of that. Uh, I wanted us to be a little bit further uh, along with that. Uh, we do have another bite at the apple next year. Hopefully, we'll have a decent surplus uh, going into next year. And, and you know, the sky is not falling this year. So my comments hopefully weren't weren't um, you know, too, too strong. But next year is the year that uh, we have really, really got to buckle down and not spend on things that we don't have to because of what might happen. Uh, it, was all, now, it was also kind of late, you know. It was. It was. <laughs> and uh, you, we get a little irritable the, the later it gets, at least for those of us who go to bed around nine o'clock. Uh, it's, okay. it's okay to be a little punchy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's all about preparing for the future. And let me... Since we're in the weeds, let me tell you the story because it's 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 who I am and and why I feel so strongly about that. When I was elected to the county commission in 2006, um, there was uh, another commissioner, A.G. Carter, who really wanted to prepare for rainy days and put money back. He called it the rat nest, and um, you know he couldn't get support to to do that. So. He and I actually uh, were able to join together in our, in our commonality there and, and make some changes. And, and we were able to really save for a rainy day. And we had a lot of money uh, left, much more money when we when I left than when, when I got there and, and he as well. But um, so why does that matter? In 2009, I believe it was. Uh, municipalities and counties all across this state were laying off employees. They were cutting services. They were doing everything they could to just scrape and get by. And this uh, county employee came up to me, and I was off the county commission at this time, just a regular citizen. And he said, I owe you an apology. And I said, what are you talking about? You hadn't done anything to me. He said, I I and others, but we, we really gave you down the road for saving money when we wanted more pay and we wanted higher uh, paychecks and, and all that. And you fast forward to today, you know, last week, my brother-in-law who worked for a nearby municipality, he didn't get a paycheck. He was laid off and he had worked there for a lot of, a long time. Uh, but I was able to go and pick up my paycheck and I, because you were taking care of us before we even realized we had an issue. Hmm. That was all the the encouragement, the you know gratification that I needed to to always just take that mantra of really looking ahead and trying to avoid heartache. I mean that's 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 what happens when people are out of job, out of work. The economy's bad. It, it's it's difficult. So if we can do something ahead of time to prepare for that, to prevent that, then I think we've done a good day's work. 
Interesting, interesting. And uh, we we knew going into the session with with the amount of money that y'all were dealing with, I mean, the 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 theme was going to be how to how to spend it, how to save it, and how to send some back to to, to Alabamians. And and there's some significant tax cuts. Um, there'll be a rebate coming to folks. Um, and I, there had to be compromise, right? I mean, with with the amount of money y'all were dealing with there was just a lot of a lot of voices a lot of needs a lot of wants uh, I, I guess <laughs> absolutely uh and it, it's it's you know i've been involved in a lot of government budgets over the years both local and and, and now state it, it doesn't matter how much money you have the wants and needs are always going to be three to four times that it that that's just the way it is in human nature so we have to go through and and take um take priorities and 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 you know organize and figure out what is a, a need and you know and in, in, in my way of thinking what can we do now to invest that will help us in the future um, have returns on that money instead of just spending it um, you know it's easy to just spend it and whatever comes along but what do we do to prepare for our future and obviously infrastructure is always one of those that's going to pay dividends long term uh, before that, pay in debt. I don't want to miss that, but pay debt is always going to have stronger benefits because you have flexibility in the future. But then infrastructure, things that are one-time uh, costs or expenditures associated with one-time money, uh, which both of the supplementals were obviously one-time money and, and ARPA was one-time money. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we did a pretty good job of, of massaging and going through all of that you know, I, I'm sure nobody got all that they wanted, um, but uh, there were significant uh, things accomplished and significant, uh, um, you know, projects for the future uh, that were funded. And, uh, I, I, you know, I feel pretty good about that. Now, again, I wish we would have taken a little bit more and put into reserves on the general fund side, mm-hmm. uh, education side. I think we probably are pretty good reserves, but I, I, I don't focus on that as much as I do the general fund. But um, sure, I would have liked to have done a little bit more in reserves. But uh, all in all, uh, I, I'm pretty happy with what the result was. Let's talk about some individual issues. I want to start with retail theft. This came up early in the session. You had the support of um, prosecutors, law enforcement, talking about this growing problem of retail theft. And it's not just the petty sort of shoplifting, you know, it, it's it's like organized. It's, it's you know, intentional. Uh, that, that's grown. Talk about the formation of that bill and its journey through the legislature. Well, this was brought to me by my local law enforcement officers who are, um, you know, tasked with dealing with this. And um, the way the, the the current statute, which is actually a theft statute, has been enforced in our area, is that uh, someone had had to actually leave the store uh, b- before they could uh, could be stopped. Um, and what that has done is it's led to many many hours of officers sitting in front of the store waiting for somebody to leave number one so that is a tremendous waste of resources okay so they they know they're stealing but until they cross that threshold 
They've not committed That's a right. crime. Okay. That's right. And and the way the bill looks at it is if you're concealing things, you're looking around to see if anybody's looking at you and you're concealing things on your person, you know, under your coat, whatever, it's obvious what you're doing. If you're swapping a a, a high priced item into a low priced item package, it's obvious what you're doing. If you're swapping stickers or tags, it's obvious what you're doing. Uh, in the past, they, they had to wait till they got out of the store to 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 make an arrest. Um, but what that led to is obviously the, the waste of time that I mentioned, but also, and more importantly, danger in the parking lots and even beyond, because some of these end up in high-speed chases if the officers are not able to get them before they get out of the parking lot. And I know of two particular instances in, in my area that that occurred. One of those high-speed speed chases went through a um, elementary YMCA area with kids all out in, in the playground. So if, if we can, you know, handle that closer to the source and not let it get out, then that's obviously better. Um, so anyway, it was a year's uh, long, uh, several years worth of work. Um, it's very important that, um, you know, the organized uh, aspect was added into it. And, and I wasn't really familiar with that. But if you think about like this, you know, someone steals a small uh, item, small amount of money. Uh, they get away with it. You know, the cost of prosecuting that is way more than the cost of the item and that kind of builds. And then people say, well, hey, we can we can do this on a larger scale uh, up and down the interstate or wherever. And, uh, you know, maybe even have someone inside the store that's helping you with it. This bill addresses that. Uh, so it has a lot of facets to it. The thing that would be uh, more uh, common is, uh, you know, the, the self-checkouts and that kind of thing. And, and we did take a lot of uh, discussion and time uh, with, with our, our colleagues, uh, especially those across the aisle that had some concerns. One of the things is, you know, what if I accidentally just put something in my coat pocket? You know, you're carrying an item around uh, or maybe you have several items and you're going to look for something and you just accidentally put it in your pocket while you're reaching for something else. And, the the yeah. My Cousin Vinny situation you know <laughs> exactly exactly well the way that we reworded it is that if you intentionally conceal two or more items so if it's an accident you know that kind of thing happens I, i've done it i'm sure most others have um you know and obviously the law is dealing with intent and that kind of thing as well but that makes it a little bit more objective if if you conceal two or more items that that kind of shows more of your intent. So it, it has all those kind of details and uh, hopefully it will be a real good tool for law enforcement. Interesting. Okay. Um, can we talk about your trooper retirement bill? And this is one, speaking of weedy, um, this passed <laughs> the Senate early in April and I, I saw it on a Thursday afternoon. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me write a quick story about that. And then like cut to three hours later, I was almost in tears <laughs> trying to understand like two decades of retirement system changes. And I Call called Nia, you. Like, uh, yeah, okay. I had Nia, texting Nia, calling Senator Chambliss, like, please explain this to me. But can well, you, I mean, it, the very basics is it, it, it improves retirements for, for troopers, right? Can you talk a little it, bit about it? It does. And, and it clears up a lot of, um, confusion and problems and 
and and now having you know i think you said that was back in april and having gone through the rest of the session after that uh getting into the weeds with that one's gonna be even <laughs> harder for me but in, in general there were there were i think seven different classifications uh, dealing with uh troopers retirements a uh, couple of those uh you know the, the big split was in 2013 where you had tier one and tier two but you also had the combination of all of the law enforcement agencies into a LEA that created some. And there was one other fixed bill, I think in 2015, that created another one. So there were six, seven different classifications of troopers all over the state. And what this did is to take all of those different classifications and combine them as best that we can. Uh, we still do have the two primary tier one, tier two, uh, but most of the others are kind of absorbed into it and makes it a whole lot uh, uh, lot easier to handle uh, for RSA long-term. But more importantly, the, the, the thing that was happening is that um, our retirements for our troopers were lagging uh, other law enforcement officials across the state, uh, primarily local law enforcement officials across the state. And what we need to be is equivalent uh, to those across the state so that you're not going, you know, having troopers or law enforcement officials trained in one agency and then jump into the other and go into the other, you know, trying to slow some of that down and uh, make sure that the troopers retirements was or, or is uh, commensurate with, uh, with the local elected officials as well. Okay. Well, for the, Listeners that haven't fallen asleep, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, so I I listen to podcasts while I'm driving, mostly or cleaning True. the house or, or whatever, and that brings me to our next topic, and that's transportation. Um, and having gone to visit my parents the other day, uh, I got to travel um, down the new, the the halfway sort of completed 82 project. Um, it's just, just great, and it's wonderful. But, of course, the, the story in the paper the other day from Marty Roney was, um, well, it's only half done. People are complaining, like, <laughs> you know, well, what about the other half? It's going to take another year or whatever, um, which I found interesting and funny and sort of illuminating because what I'm getting to is is Interstate 65. Um, that's sort of the... Um, I don't know, fun project to talk about when people get stuck on the road. I've tweeted about it. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth likes to tweet about it, sort of his hobby horse. You know, let's widen 65 from the Tennessee line to Mobile. Um, Sure, let's do it. But I I use 82 as an example because, I mean, how many decades has that been in the works? And it's just now you can sort of see the finish line. And is that maybe an example of of it's not that easy. You can't just wave a magic wand. And I wanted you to sort of talk about 65 when people say, hey, let's do it. What does that really mean? What does it take to actually accomplish something that large in scale? Well, uh, let's let's get into that. But to liven things up first, uh, do you know the difference between (laughs) an introverted engineer and an extroverted engineer? That's got to be a good punchline. Come on. The introverted engineer 
looks at his feet when he talks to you and the extroverted engineer looks at your feet when he talks to you. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> what does it, what does it mean when you, when the, are, are you extroverted engineer when you run for office? Does that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a misnomer when okay. you're a engineer yeah. running for office. <laughs> well, you are sort of, you're sort of the resident engineer of the Senate. So uh, otherwise know. known as the oddball. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the only oddball. <laughs> So um, 82, then I-65, uh, yeah, 82 has been on the, on the planning, in the planning stages for literally all of my life. Um, it, wow. It's been surveyed a number of times, preliminary plans drawn, that kind of thing. And, and it always came down to just not having the funds to do it. Um, so obviously with my history of seeing that over the years and other needs across our state, uh, that's one of the reasons why I was very, very supportive and, uh, worked toward, uh, the rebuild Alabama act and, and carrying that and, and, and helping to pass that because, uh, we were getting to a point where we basically could only do maintenance and one or two small projects, uh, capacity projects is what they're called expansion projects, if you will. Uh, you know, construction costs had ex escalated over time. Uh, vehicles were more fuel efficient, uh, using less gas, you know, so it, it was just kind of a double whammy. So with the passage of that bill comes the opportunity to start addressing some of these problems, um, maintaining our roads better, but also expanding where we need that, uh, that expansion. And uh, 82 is certainly one of those. Uh, it, it is one of those things. It just takes a long time. Uh, progress is, uh, is just, you have to be patient. Um, the, the two bridges have been built. Uh, the road, the traffic has been swapped over to the new section. And now uh, the, the old, the two old bridges will be replaced and then uh, resurfaced. Uh, that, that side's resurfaced as well. So uh, in the end, uh, you know, year or year and a half from now, uh, it's going to be really nice and really helpful, and uh, hopefully uh, between now and then, uh, it won't be too much uh, too much of a problem. So uh, switching over to I-65, uh, I, I look at I-65 as, you know, the main artery of our state uh, for commerce. Um, getting down to the, the Gulf Coast, which I love to go to, uh, the beaches, Mobile, area um, it, it's very important that we're able to get that traffic uh, all the way down to that area uh, with Huntsville and everything going on in Huntsville uh, traffic is a, is a major concern there as a as an area grows you really need to try to stay ahead of that as best you can uh, Birmingham has obviously had those issues for years and they've been dealt with to some degree uh, I was going through there this past week and, you know, four and five lanes and, 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 you know, each direction in some places. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that new section is amazing now. Of course that it, was, that was the problem for so many years. Exactly. And, and now we have better funding to try to do those type things. So ultimately, you know, from, from the Tennessee line to mobile, yes, I would love for, uh, uh, I-65 to be to have a minimum of three lanes in each direction. Uh, again, around those congest uh, uh, metropolitan areas where congestion is more of an issue, you may have five or six. Um, 
but that takes a lot of money, a lot of time to do that. So has there ever been, I'm sorry to interrupt, has, has there ever been like a price tag on like what that would cost? Uh, I, I'm sure somebody's looked at that. I, I don't know. I, I've not seen that. I, but a lot, I, a lot, for a lot one, of money. <laughs> probably wouldn't spend a lot of time on that in the past because <laughs> yeah. it was just unreachable. So, so why, why really spend that time? But, but the way to do it is to really look at your, your higher congested areas and start there, which we've already done, uh, mm-hmm. with the, you know, the section, the recent section that was done. Uh, we, we've, DOT's already started that type process, that thinking. Um, I, I do think it may be time to kind of ramp it up if, if possible, especially with uh, any federal assistance that we can get uh, with the recent uh, BIL um, uh, bill that passed. Um, so hopefully, uh, those things, and, and now we have match money, uh, you know, on the state side that we can put toward that. So if we can use that match money, leverage federal money, then yes, it's doable. It will take, it, it will take decades to complete, uh, all of it, but, uh, focusing in on those traffic, those, those congested areas is, is where mm-hmm. we should start. Well, and there's a, probably a big difference between Tennessee line to Mobile than, Decatur to Baymanette. I'm, I'm thinking of um, that the Mobile Bridge, right south of Baymanette, south of Saraland. When you get into, you know that that bridge is what? How many miles long? Four or five miles long, and um, over the Mobile River and everything. Like that's a that's a giant project to itself. So maybe we're not talking about that. And then up to um, uh, North Alabama, the Tennessee River, same thing. So, you know, maybe like those are two different price tags when you think about all the bridges and everything. And to your point, it's more about the congested areas, more about the flow of traffic than than sort of the, I don't know, label. The, 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 well, in, in the way that you look at those, you look, look at a uh, cost-benefit ratio. Um, you know, those would be extremely high costs. Yeah. And and the uh, traffic in those areas would be s- smaller than right. in yeah. our congested areas. So most likely your higher congested areas with more traffic, that's going to be where your highest uh, cost-benefit ratio is. So that, that that's how you try to look at that. At prioritizing your dollars. Yeah. Well, um, we've kind of gone over time, but I've, we can't let you go without talking about the issue de jour, and that is redistricting. Um, I realize we don't know, you don't know everything. We don't know, nobody really does, but we've got the Supreme Court ruling um, that basically guarantees that there's going to be a special session on redistricting. What are you hearing? Are, are there conversations about timing? Um, and you know what what should people expect from from as as much as you know now? Well, the the first thing is the uh, committee that um, does this kind of thing is obviously a standing type committee, but with the new quadrennium, I don't I don't think it has even been appointed. So the first thing would be to uh, to to appoint those members. Um, I may be wrong on that, but I think that's accurate. Uh, we do have chairs in each each body that uh, 
continually keep up with that kind of thing. So uh, obviously, uh, Senator Steve Livingston in the Senate. So he'll he'll obviously be heavily involved in knowing all those details and then uh, being the conduit, the liaison for us with that detailed information. My guess is in the coming weeks, uh, we would probably have some type of a caucus or, or or a meeting that would uh, get us up to speed on that. But um, overall, I would assume that we would have a, a special session sometime this fall. Um, that would uh, give them time to uh, to get uh, the committee in place, the committee up to speed, do all the research and development and you know, trying to figure out the maps. And uh, so my, my guess would be sometime uh, September, October, but that's that's just purely a guess. Uh, I, I would hope we wouldn't get into the November, December uh, holidays, but then we do have elections coming up, um, primaries in March, I believe it is next year. So uh, we can't March wait. Uh, we mm -hmm. can't wait too long for sure. Yeah, I think the qualifying deadline will be sometime in November for, for mm -hmm. congressional yeah. candidates. So I think that's the so we so would wanna... definitely want to have the maps done before qualifying starts. Well, well ahead of qualifying, hopefully. So, uh, you know, that that starts narrowing down the window. Yeah, we it's just kind of crazy. Everybody's you know, what, what a monster session where everybody's really worn out. And then a couple of days later, we realize, nope, coming right back. <laughs> coming, maybe maybe coming back. Pretty soon, actually. Um, but, you know, it's a long process. Like, you know, you've got to and you're right about the the committee. There would be no reason at the beginning of this quadrennium to appoint that committee because you're not going to you're not expected to deal with it for another 10 years. Um, right. But, but now now you will. Well, I'm this, sure everybody's lining up to get their name on that committee. Oh yeah, <laughs> this session seemed exceedingly long. Uh, I think that was due to you know it's usually three months, you know, a little over. But uh, we came in in March, so it really seemed like we were in session in January and February because there was so much work that needed to be done ahead of time for ARPA and supplementals and, and other things. So really, we're in June now, and it seems like we have been in session six months, mm -hmm. uh, although that's not ac exactly accurate. It seems like that. And uh, I, I think every uh, legislators, uh, all those involved uh, from the government side, from the lobbyist side, I think everybody's really tired. So hopefully we'll have a decent break between now and uh, when we when we do have to go back into session. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Lake trips, beach trips. Hope everybody gets to go somewhere. Well, Senator, thanks so much for your time. And um, we will, you know, see you when, when y'all are back, which may be sooner rather than later. And uh, but, but again, thank you so much. We appreciate All it right. so much, Senator. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you all for uh, for having me. Thank you for this uh, In the Weeds podcast. <laughs> I always enjoy uh, listening to them. So uh, uh, thanks for what y'all do. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. That well, was that, great. That was good and weedy. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Didn't did not disappoint on the on the weediness. And um, the the senator told me once he's like, I don't know who you're who you're doing these podcasts for, but I really like them. So. <laughs> that's that's our core audience. That's right. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, I I've gotten so much good feedback, but it's it's from folks like us. I mean, look, it's just, it's just like the Daily News. It's just like Inside Alabama Politics. It's just like Capital Journal. There's we're, we're talking. We're all in this sort of 
community of folks that care right. about state government and yeah, and it matters. But yeah, I, I'm. What are you hearing about special session? I'm, I'm hearing it could be as soon as July. Yeah, um, when we first reported, I was hearing you know August or September. Um, but now I'm hearing maybe earlier than that. So, but but the senator's right. We, they've got it. There's so much. This is a story I need to do, but there's so much work that needs to be done before we even get, yeah, yeah, before, before lawmakers even get to town. I mean, by the time lawmakers get called into special session, you know, they're not actually creating the maps. Those, those will have been done. They'll have options in front of them. He's right. They, they need to get that committee together. But the, the last I've heard is we're, we're waiting for the federal judges meeting on Friday to get, get a bit more direction on on what this is going to look like. Yeah. And, and that'll, That'll be um, instructive, but so I've I've now um, seen or been a part of three different redistricting efforts, and they're they're all very complicated. Yeah. Um, the first the, the first one, by the way, was back in two thousand um, two thousand one when when Democrats um, had the majority in the legislature, and even they couldn't agree. Like it, it, you know, they 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 were different. It was like the Joe Reed map, and then like the, the Lowell Barron map, and then like some kind of house map. Um, it's it, you know everybody's got um, sort of an interest there. So I'm, and I guess what's important to remember is you're you're right. The, by the time the the session gets called and the legislature comes, the maps are done, but there's so much work that goes into those maps. I mean, they go mm-hmm. little block by little block to, to try to determine that. And now they've got a bunch of new rules thrown on top of that. Right. Um, you know, um, don't use race, but actually please do use race. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. mean, it's that's a tough task. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with Jimmy Intrican on Capitol Journal this week because he's been a part of multiple redistricting efforts. He works for the Legislative Services Agency and he's, you know, an expert uh, on, on these things. Mm-hmm. But but also they they have to hire outside experts because no I mean there's only a few people really in the country that the know Jesus. these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I mean I don't I don't think there's a topic much weedier than than redistricting and everything that goes into it and when when that decision came down thursday i was just i was like you know a special session is one thing but i mean there is nothing more complicated than yeah. redistricting was, you don't have to say out loud what you said you know, <laughs> we don't have an explicit rating on this so. um, but yeah, and and I sort of and got it's lost. political. I mean, obviously, it's political. It's a silly thing to say, but you've got races coming up in in March. You've got incumbent Republicans who who want to protect their their turf. Um, I mean, this is just a monster of an issue, right? And I, I sort of got lost uh, on Twitter. I think I wasn't really communicating correctly, saying like they're that never happens on Twitter. <laughs> well, I just sort of gave up, but um, that it, you know, it was impossible to, or close to impossible to draw two majority black districts. It's not impossible. I guess what I was trying to 
get around to was they're not going to do it. Right. Like, like at the end of the day, it is a Republican legislature that are, that's going to be drawing these maps. And so they're going to draw them with the closest, best opportunity for Republicans to win those seats. Right. I mean, it, they're, you know, and so that to me, that means, I mean, obviously the black population in the seventh district is going to come down. It has right. to. Right. So that's not good for Terry Sewell, you know, Congresswoman Sewell. And, um, now she's politically strong. She can probably withstand anything, but, it, but the minute she retires, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, competitive seat. And, and so, and whatever other district they make into that competitive, let's say it's, let's say it's 46, 47% black. Well, obviously that's competitive, but not a guarantee for Democrats. So it, it's just politically fascinating. And, um, it is. and then there's the national implications and everybody's going to be watching this. And so you're calling, you're calling lawmakers back to Montgomery in the summer after coming off of a monster session to redraw lines to potentially weaken Republicans. Right. Um, I mean, nobody wants to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're going to be grumpy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and think about the how um, how razor thin the majority in the House of Representatives is right now. Right. Again, I mean, effectively a, a five seat majority, I think. So, I mean, it, it is razor thin. The, but here's the thing. I, I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer. I should Maybe I should have gone to law school. To, so I could be smart about some of these things, but just taking away like whether that whether or not this was proper ruling. I mean, I'm, people have opinions about that, and I've listened to them. You know, setting that aside, the effect of this ruling, the effect of drawing new maps, I think could be positive in that. Okay, you've let's, let's say just for sake of argument, you've got two districts now. We'll have two districts now in Alabama where, let's say, one of them's you know fifty four percent black, one of them's forty seven percent black. It obviously makes it a lot more moderate on, on, in both um, circumstances. Mm -hmm. So if it in that in that forty six percent, let's just say that becomes the first district or the second district, whichever. Well, to win that district in the general election, if you're a Republican you've got to appeal to independents and potentially Democrats, right? right. You, you, there's no other way to do it. When, so, when's the last time that's had to happen? <laughs> well, probably 2008 um, and, and, and 2010, honestly. Um, but so, so would Republicans be motivated then to nominate someone who's more appealing to that? I think it would probably take a while, take a few terms, probably have to lose a little bit <laughs> to, <laughs> to learn that lesson. Uh, and the same thing for Democrats. I mean, if in this, in that same scenario, if you nominate some Looney Tune lefty that, that can't, you know, that, that, that doesn't um, motivate black Democrats to turn out. Right. It's not, you know, yeah. I mean, we could get better candidates. <laughs> yeah, and and my my guess is it's gonna like I said it's gonna take a little while to to get there, but mm -hmm. long term it could be a a positive. I certainly would love it if 
people sort of, I mean, people ran for office didn't just have to speak to their primary voters because right, right now that's all it is. Right. Elections are over in June in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the other thing is for Democrats, I know a lot of them are celebrating this because they think it's a pickup. Well, maybe, but the Alabama Democratic Party is a shell of its former self. It has, I mean, it does not have the ability to organize. A lot's going to have to change. I know some national money will probably have to come in and mm -hmm. you know, DCCC and all that. But based on what just happened in 2022, um, where the Democrats couldn't hardly field candidates statewide, they had some successes in the primaries and, and things like that. But um, a lot's going to have to change for them to actually be competitive, to field candidates, to support candidates and in, in where in, in, you know, let's just say it's the first district where they've not even tried to compete for 10 years. So anyway, that's we'll, we'll probably need to talk more about redistricting, but those are my small thoughts. Really? Yeah. I, I just, yeah. it's, it's, it's going <laughs> to we'll be, be talking about this for a while. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will. Well, all right. I'll just, I should stop rambling. Well, good pod. Good pod. Good guest. You always have the good guests. I, you know, see, I've, I've gotten excited about this. I, you kind of <laughs> had to drag me into this, but um, <laughs> we find good people to talk to. It's fun. It's good. And, so, uh, and I don't have to wear makeup. And so that's, that's so, actually the, the biggest benefit. I don't have to dress up. I'm wearing a hat right now. I don't have to get That's, dressed up and go on They don't, go on they don't allow that on Capital Journal. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. All right, Mary. Well, thanks again. And, Appreciate uh, it. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>